listener, I'm your host, Sally Holder. Join me each week to escape and be refreshed with stories of people who dared not to settle for the American dream. Go beyond just getting enough in life and live into a place where big dreams actually do come true. In each episode of this podcast, you'll discover why internal success is better than external success. Be prepared to redefine what your best looks like in your life and free yourself from the guilt of wanting more. I cannot wait to get started sharing these stories with you. Welcome, guys, to the Hitting Rock Middle podcast. I am so excited you're here, and I can't wait to share this next interview with you. It is with Heather White. She is my business coach and kind of like my Yoda, if you will. I am so excited for you to be able to have an experience with her, one that I get to have every single month and it fills me with such joy. But before I share more information or you listen to the episode with Heather, I started thinking about something that happened to me recently. And I figured this might be something that you as a listener experience often. And that is a little rejection. Can you keep going despite rejection? We all receive it. I had an experience recently where I thought a situation was going to go one way and it was going to create a trajectory in my business that was going to be huge. Now, I don't know if you've ever said a story to yourself like that, but I think we all do. And I couldn't have been more wrong about that experience. In fact, it was really quite deflating. It went very south very quickly and I was discouraged Getting off the phone, I will share, I was even a little teary. And I thought to myself, I am going to give up. I just can't push through this. Now, I set myself aside and my ego and said, wait a minute, is that actually true? Is that just a feeling that I'm having of discouragement? Or is it a fact that I should give up? Well, you guys know it was just a feeling. And those feelings are always temporary. And so I went ahead and set the next meeting with the next person in the same industry to see if their thoughts would be exactly the same. And guess what I found? They were exactly the opposite. They were uplifting. They were kind. They were supportive. So encouraging. And I shared with them that I was really hesitant to even set the meeting with them, that it took me a little while to get over the rejection. It took me a week or so to be able to even get back in the game and keep moving forward. So, but the important thing to remember here is that if you face the same or similar rejection, give yourself some grace, but get back up on the horse. Keep going and keep fighting for the life that you want to have. And don't settle for anything less because you deserve to reach your greatest potential. So hopefully that will encourage you to keep going. And one thing that I know that always encourages me to keep going is having a business coach. So I know I'm a little biased here being a coach now myself, but If you think about it, great athletes can't achieve what they want in their careers without a coach because the adage is really self can't see self, right? I can't 
independently reflect on opportunities that might exist for me or things that might be getting in my way without a third party being able to look in independently, unemotionally, let's all be honest, and be able to tell me, here are some opportunities that you're not seeing for yourself or here are ways that you're standing in your own way. And that's what a business coach can do for you in the exact same way that a coach does for an athlete. They push you, they encourage you, and they help you get to the next level. I know that I would not be where I am today without Heather White. I know that without a coach in my life, I would have taken points of rejection and settled. I wouldn't have felt the level of resilience because I wouldn't have built that muscle in the same way that the coach has helped me build that muscle of resiliency. So I'm extremely passionate about having a business coach and I really can't wait for you to hear from mine. So let's get started with the episode. Hey listeners, I am so excited to introduce to you my business coach, the woman who has definitely changed my life in innumerable ways, the Heather White. You will hear all about her in my book as well. But Heather, I'm so excited you're joining us. Yeah, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Well, there's so much to dig into because I kind of feel overwhelmed about all I want our listeners to be able to hear from you. So just if you would kind of tell um, our listeners a little bit about um, your coaching practice and, you know, how long you've been coaching, just the usual kind of overview of who you are. Right. Yeah. The 12 year synopsis in 36 seconds or less. Yes, exactly. Perfect. Perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. I'll try to keep it brief. So I'm the oldest of four kids. Um, I was, my parents were divorced. And so my original ambition was to go to law school and uh, get a degree in family law and save the rest of the divorced children of the world. So that, that was my original impetus. So when I went to university, I did an undergrad degree in, in arts, but I focused on family studies and social work. And, um, Around a third, in between my third and fourth year of university, my stepdad got really sick with terminal cancer. So that kind of derailed my plans. But as it turns out, they, it sort of re-railed them, if you will. So I ended up getting a job after graduating from my undergrad degree in business, working in sales. And despite the fact that I had all the perks, um, many more than most of my friends at that age, because was early 20s, um, you know, nearly six-figure income, car allowance, cell phone allowance, expense accounts. I worked in food service distribution sales. This was pre-2008. So lots of lunches, dinners, uh, conferences. Lots of excess. um, Lots of of excess and tons of opportunity for growth. Like they really invested in us. It was from the outside, the dream career, you know, but inside I was totally miserable. And I had a real struggle reconciling you know, the external success and then the support I'd get from the external world and the internal turmoil that I felt. You know, my mom was an immigrant. Um, She wasn't allowed to go to university despite the fact that she had an academic scholarship because in her day, your dad had to agree and sign off on your education. And my grandfather didn't think that was the right thing for her. So, you know, that was my, you know, go to school, get an education. And so I did that and here I had this great job. So of course you can imagine, you know, her perspective on this, you know, I have all these 
boxes checked and I'm unhappy, you know, it's like, well, you have, you know, you have my dream life essentially kind of, you know, don't even think about messing this up. And all my girlfriends were still, you know, slinging beer at different restaurants and bars and stuff thinking I had this, you know, incredible career. What's the matter with me? And, um, you know, luckily for me, as they say, when the student's ready, the teacher appears. And that's truly what happened for me. I got recruited to join what was a mastermind group, which I knew nothing about by one of my clients, actually. And it was facilitated by a coach. Again, my only context for coaching at that point was from an athletic perspective. So this was my first experience in any kind of personal development um, journey. And I was highly resistant, very cynical at the time, (laughs) the most (laughs) unlikely candidate for a career in personal development. But I have to tell you, something about her and the way she presented the information just sparked something in me. It was kind of the first time I heard some of these messages about 100% responsibility for self and for life and the empowering idea of really being able to create a life that you want to live and not that you are not limited by some of the social or cultural context that you might have been raised into, the idea of unconscious programming and beliefs and how we get them and how it frames your perspective and how you see the world. So these were all really new concepts, but they were very empowering. And uh, so I ended up finding her teacher who happened to be Bob Proctor. And I went and um, signed up for his life success coaching and consulting program. Again, nobody was more shocked than me that I was like going through these steps, but I, I can't really explain it. It was just something compelling me to keep going. So fast forward 2007, I made the decision. I had a couple things line up um, serendipitously and I made the decision to leave my corporate job and go out on my own doing coaching, consulting, sort of sharing the work that had been in- influencing my life for the previous couple of years. And um, that's when it all began. And so I've been doing it. So 2007, I don't know how long is that? 12 years or so. I've been working in this field originally with a background in business and then equipped with these sort of new tools around personal development. I spent most of my time working just with business people, actually helping with very sort of what you would think of as traditional business development strategies, um, you know, niche market development, sales funnel implementation, uh, marketing strategy, et cetera, just very, very linear kind of tactical growth strategies. And about 2011, I just realized, you know, I cared more about the people than I did the profit model and sort of changed some of the ways in which I was doing things. And that kind of opened up a a slightly different model for the way that I coach today that's sort of evolved since then. Because what I realized was if we don't work on the inside, regardless of what we change on the outside, the people still feel the same. And ultimately, what I knew internally was we're not after just making the picture look pretty. We're after the more fundamental, meaningful, fulfilling desires that we have as humans to sense into our potential and really feel the sense that we are living a life that is aligned with our true selves. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to stop talking now because I don't even know how long that was. (laughs) But that's kind of the, the short, short, long version of how I got into this work. Oh, it's so beautiful. I love that you gave people, though, a picture of, you know, the transition that you made so that they can identify with that as well, that, you know, you've gone through that process and that struggle of coming from having the perception that you had it all and then transitioning to entrepreneurship and doing so successfully. So 
having done it yourself and now coaching people for 12 years to make transitions in their lives and be able to show up in the biggest possible way, what do you feel like is the number one thing holding people back from being as big as they're really capable of being? I think it's kind of a two-part answer. It's it is the fear of perception. So again, we're social beings. We're hardwired for connection. We're hardwired for being part of our cohort of human connection. And so anytime we perceive ourselves to be risking that connection with others, I think something very primal goes off in, in our brains. Um, so I think there's that, the whole kind of what's everybody going to think and then how does that tie into my own survival as part of this species. And I think that's very normal, you know, but there's ways to navigate through that. I think it's just important for people to know that um, because I think a lot of the guidance out there, I'm just like, who cares what everyone thinks is, it sounds nice, but it doesn't really address the underlying issue that is going on internally for people. And I think the other one is truly the fear of our own greatness. You know, I think Marianne Williamson said it best with, you know, she's got a beautiful quote, um, which I won't even try to paraphrase right now, but it's this idea that we're, we're more afraid of our own greatness, of our own light, of our own true power, which again, I think is, has been very purposefully socialized and culturalized out of us to a certain Mm -hmm. degree. Um, And so we have to kind of retrain ourselves to recognize our inherent power, to recognize our inherent resourcefulness to recognize our inherent potentiality that is seeking expression through us. So again, for me, I think there's way too much shame, frankly, in personal development. Mm -hmm. Um, And I try to take a much more um, compassionate approach because I think the fears around growth are very normal and very real. And, um, you know, I think helping people start from where they are and actually truly move rather than sort of shaming them or bullying them into just, just go for it. And who cares? <laughs> Again, that sounds nice, but in my experience, it's not very helpful. Yeah. It's not going to create the lasting change for them that they really want. And that's, what's been so amazing about getting to work with you versus, you know, any other experiences I've had before is now I have the tools to be able to approach a situation in a different way. So I I just love the way that both you handle that and then you just described it perfectly too. So you mentioned power and there, you know, our fear of that ultimate success and power. So that's been something I've been talking to both, you know, a lot of friends about and clients. Um, So it's come up a lot and people are, you know, tend to lean back from the power that they have. And so talk to me a little bit about how we can be better at leaning into it because, you know, we do it, I see by, you know, reducing our prices and, you know, you and I have talked about things like that, um, you know, ways that we do that. And it's come up quite a bit lately. And so I figured it would be a great thing for you to address, um, especially for women these days is, you know, how to own the power without being quote unquote pushy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And again, I think it's, it's so funny. It, it sounds like it's going to be simple, but there's a lot to unpack there, right? Because it's, we got to go back to the beginning of the bedrock here. For most of us, we have been steeped in, into a message that at its most primal level is uh, you're not enough. You're not fill in the blank enough. And particularly for women, 
and, and maybe that's just because I am a woman and I've worked for the majority of my career with women. And so absolutely no disrespect meant to men's experience, but I'll speak to what I, what I know and what I've seen, you know? So if you're standing on a bedrock of your own self image that is rooted in an idea, albeit a wrong idea, but all, all the more powerful that you're not enough, right? And you're taking action from that place that is increases the likelihood in my experience anyways, that you, you will be pushy or you will right act outside of that sort of authentic, natural way of being. So we have to go all the way back from to the beginning and identify the fact of where are you rooted in your, in your self image in your personal belief about who you are. Because if we can unearth you from the false premise that you're not enough and root you into the deeper truth of your inherent worthiness, your actions are going to be infused with a much different energy, right? So it's not about then, you know, being pushy or not being pushy because it's not so much about the action you take as much as it is with the energy that you're in when you're taking the action, if that makes sense. Oh, completely. So that's why for me, yeah, it's so important to take people back to get inside the false narratives that they've been rooted in, identify what are the false stories that they've been telling themselves. Because a belief is just a thought you think over and over again. And as humans, we think in stories, you know? So we all have experiences where we create a story about who we are. And for most of us, the stories about who we are are just not true, or at best, they're not totally true, Mm -hmm. right? They're filled with inaccuracies, And so if we don't go back and identify what those inaccuracies are, look at them objectively from different perspectives, different angles. Where did we get that message? How relevant was that message? Is that the truth about who we are? Is there any contradictory evidence that we have in our life experience that points in another direction that we could bring into the fold and look at? Mm-hmm. Right? Because if we can get you rooted into the deeper truth of your inherent worthiness, who you really are, the experiences, the things you bring to the table, what you truly have to offer, then when it comes to the tactical execution of action, whether it's pricing or pitching or proposing or asking, whatever it might be, you're going to com- be coming from a completely different place. You're not going to be hustling for your self worth, right? And then if you're coming from a place where you don't think you're worthy, you're asking for more than you think you deserve. So of course, then the reflection back when someone says, I don't want to engage in your service at that price or it's too expensive, what that actually does then is it fuels your false belief about yourself. There's a little voice inside that says, see, I knew it. I knew I wasn't worth it. I knew I was charging too much. I knew, I knew, I knew I shouldn't bother with all this. So that's why for me, it's it's it seems like it's more work, but it's so much more um, beneficial in the long run to go back, get clear about who you really are, what you're really offering, where your own limitations, blocks, and beliefs are holding you back from truly experiencing a reflection in your external life of the truth of who you are in your internal space. Oh, so beautifully said. My gosh. I and mean, it really made me think about the fact that so often people are telling you to make the leap, take the jump, do the thing. And that advice of just simply getting into the action skips over all of that important stuff that you just referenced. And it's why we so often find ourselves right back in the same place all over again, because we didn't remedy what was causing our actions not to create the consequence, you know, that failed to create the ultimate consequence or Mm. outcome that we wanted. So I just love that. And so you 
what I love is that you've taught me as well is that when we do own that power and when we do own that belief that we have an ability to attract beneficial, energetic things to us. And so I would love for you to just kind of go into that description because it definitely was a new concept for me, you know, being in that, you know, strict legal business world, I had never really thought about the law of attraction and how it might be, you know, effective in business and how it might help me. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, Hey, I'm no quantum physicist. Okay. So keep in mind, I probably have no license to talk about any of these (laughs) ideas. These are just from my own life experience, but I do really resonate with the idea that everything's energy. It's just in reflection of my own life, reflection in the clients that I've worked with, even just my husband's life, like just, you know, again, just experiencing, looking, watching, observing, noticing how things seem to unfold. So for me, it's always been very empowering to take an energetic approach to things, to assume that there's some correlation between the energy that I'm resonating and the life experiences that are unfolding around me. It's, it's kind of the flip between, um, life's happening to me, right. And life's happening from me or through me. In other words, that I'm somehow contributing to the things that are going on around me. And so for me, I've, I've always, resonated with that idea. And I've found that it's been an incredibly empowering and a, and a sort of a curious compassion approach for clients to take, to be in inquiry about where their energy is at. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause again, if you're going in a really tactical way, if, if you're not, if you don't feel confident about, and we can have a whole conversation on confidence cause it's another part of it, but if you don't feel mm-hmm. confident about the price you're putting out, energetically, then what you're actually emanating is a, you know, to whatever degree subtle or obtuse level of kind of fear or insecurity or unknowingness, right? Because that's just where your energy is going to be at. If I told you, Sally, you should go sell your, you know, sell yourself at $30,000 an hour. I don't know, something Mm -hmm. crazy where, again, Mm -hmm. it's so far from where you're at. And so that's my assignment I give to you, right? As your coach (laughs) and you're like, okay. You know, again, what your, what your energy is going to be emanating is like, holy, this is way too much of a gap between where I'm at and what I'm asking for. So ultimately, what I believe then comes back towards you is information that validates that gap, right? Where people look at you like you're crazy because you feel like you're crazy in a way for asking for mm-hmm. something like that, right? So for me, it's like, let's get into a place where energetically you are emanating what you feel right now in this moment, right? And ask for that and let the momentum build and let your confidence build from there rather than putting stuff out there that's so far beyond where you're at energetically only to collect more and more evidence that affirms the false belief in the first place that you're not worth it or you're asking for too much or this is a, this was a stupid idea or maybe you should go back to the safe corporate job with all the bells and whistles, you know, maybe that was a stupid idea because that's what ends up happening, right? If we don't acknowledge our own energetic place in the world, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, again, I don't claim to be any kind of expert. I don't even know. I think in some cases, some of the terminology has set us back, you know, because it opens up questions like, you know, well, did I attract this terminal illness or did I, you know, like, again, and I mean, I don't have the answers to questions like that. And I think it's just more, 
it's just more about how do I empower myself? How do I empower my clients to take an approach that is going to feel as good in this moment as it is in the quote unquote moment where we reach the proverbial finish line? Because the whole, when I get here, then I'll be great thing doesn't work. Mm -hmm. It's it inherent in the action is the dissatisfaction that you end up having at the end of, of the result. And I've seen it way too many times. I've sat across the desk from people who, you know, made partner or, you know, crossed the million dollar mark or published the book or whatever it was. And to the degree in which they did or didn't do the internal work in my experience has a direct correlation to the degree in which they do or don't feel a sense of meaningful fulfillment as it results in their accomplishment. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if I'm really answering your question, but I just think taking the approach of, you know, energetic vibrational inquiry has been extremely helpful in my own life and in the lives of the thousands of clients that I've worked with. Absolutely. So what's the best way then that you would tell us how to go back and be able to clean, either clean up that stuff or clean up the energy that we're in, you know, if we want to be able to you know, raise our vibration, operate it at a higher level, be able to eventually ask for Mm -hmm. $30,000 an hour. Mm -hmm. Right. So how can we close that gap? I'm glad you asked because like, this is, yeah, and this is great because I I did want to circle back anyway. So this gave me an opportunity because what I'm not, what I'm not proposing is that we don't take any action. And in fact, I actually think our desires are the things we want are like the magnets that are going to propel us on the journey of the quote unquote cleanup that you're speaking of here, you know, because basically a desire is something you don't have quote unquote, or it's not part of your consensual reality or your experience. In other words, it's something out there, if you will, that you crave or want for your own life experience. Well, that, that inherently tells us something because if everything's here, right. In, in the ethers, in the quantum realm of possibility, and you're having an experience where you're here and something that you want is seems to be out there. What we're actually saying is, oh, there's an energetic gap between where I am vibrating and where my desire is vibrating inside the quantum field of possibility. I wonder how I could energetically align with that. And so we start taking action, you know, in the best way we know how. Sometimes it's through curiosity and wonderment, and sometimes it's through linear action because we've seen models that have gone before us that have showed us the path. And inevitably, what will happen is you start taking action towards your goals or your desires, and that's when you're going to unearth the things that have been in your way the whole time. And there's where the work lies, right? There's where the false beliefs will come up. There's where the false messages. There's where the the um, you know the false premise of who you think you are and what you're capable of. There's where you know your third grade teacher told you you're not going to amount to anything or whatever it was. That that's there's where it'll all come to the surface <laughs> in between the desire taking a hold of your consciousness and your physical body moving in the direction of it, the gap in between, you'll start to see, aha, here's the stuff that's been holding me outside of the realm of this possibility all along. And I I don't know whether other people call it this, but I've been lately calling it the discomfort zone. And, um, you know, <laughs> it's that gap. And having experienced it and you having seen me go through it, is that discomfort zone easy? Because a lot of people expect, okay, well, once I jump out there, once I put myself out there, all will be well, 
right? It should go this way. It should feel easy. If I'm following my passion, it should be simple. So is that really the case? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you, you know, through your own experience, <laughs> yeah, of course, the answer is no. But what's interesting about it is the answer doesn't have to be no, right? What happens is we have a clinging, a clinging aspect to our mind, right? If you really notice the mind, the mind clings, it clings to ideas, it clings to how things are or how things need to be. And so, you know, in what's happening here is if you, basically, we live our lives inside of a familiar zone, right? We are programmed in our, through our family of origin and people that have access to us in our young years of life about how life is, you know, what, what sort of the rules that govern our experience as humans and right, wrong, or indifferent, that becomes kind of the blueprint in which many of us allow our lives to unfold from. Then there's those of us that have, you know, these sort of internal wake up calls that start to happen along the path where we start to question, how does this blueprint that I'm operating from affect the quality of my life? Is this enhancing the quality of my life? Or is in this, is this in some way limiting the quality of my life? And most of us discover, well, this is really limiting the quality of my life. And I think I have a sense that there is a potentiality inside of me that is greater than my life experience. And so we go on these hero's journeys, if you will, to try to figure out why do I feel like I'm not who I'm supposed to be? And so inevitably then, yes, you leave the quote unquote familiar zone and start moving into perfectly described in your case as the discomfort (laughs) zone, right? But most of the suffering is caused by the clinging of the mind. You know, the mind is is grasping to what it knows, Mm -hmm. right? And what it knows is how it was. And as you start to move into the possibilities of what it could be, the mind is trying to hold on so desperately. And that's actually what causes most of the suffering. It could be easy, I think, in many cases. I don't know too many people that have it, (laughs) that have experienced it as being easy. But when we really get underneath it, what makes it easy or hard or simple or complicated, for the most part, is our own thinking about it, which is just a a last ditch effort Mm -hmm. (laughs) on behalf of our past programmed rational mind to hold us in a place where it is comfortable. Uh, not, not necessarily because that life experience is comfortable, but because that life experience is familiar. And familiar, as far as the mind is concerned, is safe. And, is, and safe is survival. And that's what it's wired to do. Mm. Right? Yeah. It is so, so scary, the power. I think for the most part, yeah. Well, and it's just, under, it's just trying to learn and understand right? That's why I want to take a compassionate approach to things. And again, I, maybe I've got it wrong. Maybe it is just, uh, you know, will yourself, but I've just, through my own experience and the people that I've worked with it, that's not a path that works for everybody. It probably works for some people. Um, but for those of us that are on a path of self-actualization, which is what this is really about, a path of realization of the, of the true inherent nature of our essence, this is the path that I find serves. It's a context that allows us to expand into the fullness of ourselves without leaving tentacles of our own psyche behind, kind of denying certain aspects and parts of ourselves in pursuit of some external happiness. Because I think we all know stories of people that have external happiness, but have extreme internal turmoil and struggle because they didn't do the work underneath. Mm -hmm. For sure. 
I've experienced that myself. And I think that that is just as painful, you know, as the discomfort zone can be to get to your, but you end up in such a better place when you go through that experience than the other. Mm -hmm. Yes. I think that's kind of, that's like the, that's like the undergrad Mm -hmm. program, I think for most people on this journey, the undergrad program is you reach the quote unquote social definitions of success and you have the great awakening, which is what the hell is this? (laughs) (laughs) I was kind of promised that if I did all this stuff, life would be great. And I did it all. And here I am. Right. And I think that's actually then that's when you go on to the master's program, which is aha life quote unquote is not about external things. If I'm, if what I'm really after is, self-realization, the expression of the greatest aspects of my essential self. If I'm, if I'm really after that, and I, I want that experience of a deep sense of fulfillment that my life was meaningful and purposeful and worthwhile. And I really contributed at the level of my deepest gifts, right? That's, (laughs) I think that's what we go through. We get there. We're like, this wasn't it. And so then we go, we go back again and try to figure out what do we miss? And then we end up in these kinds of conversations. And just for all of us, so that we're all on the same page, when you say the, you know, essence of ourselves or our deepest selves, what, how would you define that? Um, you know, there is a beautiful word that I think kind of says it perfectly. And it's the word entelechy. And I learned this through Dr. Jean Houston and Dr. Claire Zamet in, in studying with them. And it's essentially translated as the realization of potential. It's also loosely translated as the soul. So again, depending, I think some, most of us have a religious hangover in, in many cases. And so I think sometimes using too much quote unquote religious or spiritual terminology sometimes throws people off the trail of this. So that's again, another reason why I appreciate the energetic language, which can, which can kind of almost be like a modern, a modern, uh, language, to, you know, modern approach to a lot of these concepts, which have been around for as far as we, we can find in our, you know, in our historical, uh, data, but Intelliki is essentially that. It's the idea that inside of the acorn is the oak tree. In other words, the oak tree has the intelliki. I'm uh, sorry, the acorn has the intelliki of the oak tree within it. The embryo has the intelliki of the baby within it. The rosebud has the intelliki of the fully actualized rose within it. And in our case, that we, we have within us the entelechy of the unrealized potentiality of the greatest expression of ourselves. And I think that it essentially is energetic or spiritual in nature, and it is expressing itself through the form of the human experience, you know, because I, I again, I mean, I've, I've been through uh, an experience of losing my stepdad and, you know, going through that experience, you, you, you just realize on such a visceral level, the difference between the body and the body inhabited by what I'm going to call spirit or soul, it's two very different things. You know, when you see a body where the spirit is gone or the soul is gone or the essence of it is gone, you realize very deeply that there is definitely something to be said for the light within a human body. Mm. And that's what I think of as the potentiality, the soul, the essence of ourselves. And so to wrap this up so beautifully, do you believe that everyone has that? 
that potentiality, that greater yes. potential within themselves? Yes. I'll say with a caveat, okay, which is that because we live in a culture that is defining in many ways for us what is quote unquote successful or what is worthy of this term of potential, I think in many cases we miss the fact that potentiality doesn't have a metric based on our modern culture. It's just this deeper desire of the expression of that aspect that is coming through that person. Not everybody, I think, is destined or even desires to be famous, let's say, or, you know, quote unquote, materially rich or visible, whatever, you know. So I think in many cases, we've kind of been skewed in our modern culture about some of these terms about potentiality. I think it's really about listening to that inner sense we all have within us that is what is the impetus for my life like what is the direction that is calling me what are the desires the unique desires that I have that coupled with the gifts talents and experiences that I've lived come together to form this very synergistic expression where I'm offering something to the world that is both meaningful and fulfilling to me and in the same breath of service and in support of the greater evolution of humanity like that, you know, again, and whether that's growing a garden in Arkansas or, or whether it's, you know, writing and publishing books and being a thought leader, I don't mm-hmm. think that yeah. it, that matters as much as we have created in our culture for it to matter. I just absolutely love that. I couldn't agree more. You know, I, I have been in search of my own to get into what is the the truth within myself? And I feel like as long as we are all pursuing what gives us that genuine fulfillment, then it doesn't matter what in the world the the production is that you are providing, as long as it is something that provides that true, yes. genuine happiness to you. Oh. Yeah, yeah. And if we notice, that is going to be an ever-evolving place. Right. I think another one of the great myths is that you're going to discover your purpose. You're going to sense your potential. You're going to say yes to it and go towards it and ta da, <laughs> you're done. Um, but we're not. We're a part of an evolving nature package. What it was fulfilling, meaningful, contributing last year might be the very thing that becomes kind of stale, toxic, and it's not doing it for you anymore mm-hmm. two years from now. So our ability to recognize our internal cues um, and listen to them and allow for our lives to morph and change inside of a context, which makes it very difficult to allow that process, like considering how how challenging our culture has made it to follow our evolutionary impulse, mm-hmm. right? We got to know that. We, we're not inside of a context that is... Um, super supportive of that evolutionary impulse, unless you purposefully create one, like through conversations like this, relationships with coaches, uh, mentors, you know, uh, whatever that is. Like you have to consciously go out and create a context for yourself that supports your evolution and your growth um, because you're not going to get it (laughs) just by accident, right? So I think also knowing that there's no end, right? I mean, this is literally an unfolding, it's an evolving. Um, And so the better we get at some of the things we've talked about today, right? 
moving from familiar through the unconscious, making it conscious, that discomfort zone, um, you know, letting go of the clings of the mind, saying yes to the internal impulse that we have within us for expansion and greater expression through us, um, being curious and compassionate with ourselves as we journey through, you know, what is nothing less than a hero's journey. And then repeating <laughs> the process, <laughs> the better, the better things are going to be for us, you know? And so, yeah. Uh, now you guys see why I could just sit here all day and listen to what she has to say and her thoughts on these, because they are so, to me, unique and contradictory to what I basically had experienced and seen other people embody for so long, especially in the business world. And the idea that we have such amazing potential within ourselves and the ability to tap into that as soon as we create this intentional relationship and seek it out was so exciting and ultimately really freeing to know that that you can break out of that box and and be anybody that you want to be ultimately. So Heather has really taught me that in a way that I never experienced before. So I am internally grateful to you, Heather. Well, it's my great honor and joy. Thank you for joining us today and being able to share all of this wisdom. It was, uh, like I said, I was mesmerized. And I think that so many of the people listening are going to feel the same way. So if they want to get in touch with you to talk to you about coaching or any other offerings you have, which I know you'll have different things, masterclasses and whatnot, where can they follow along? Two best places to find me nowadays are online, heatherwhite.ca. Well, they're both online. Heatherwhite.ca, just like the color, is um, is probably the best place to find me. Um, or Instagram. Uh, I think I'm underscore heather underscore white. Um, so those are the two places I hang out these days. Great. And I will put both of those for all of you in the show notes so you can be able to access that. But if you are listening to this on your phone, then jump on Instagram and make sure you give her a follow as well. So thank you for your time today. I really hope you learned a tremendous amount, just like I did every time I speak with her. So I know that you guys will have a great rest of your day having listened to this episode. Thanks so much for listening to the Hitting Rock Middle podcast. I'm your host, Sally Holder. Remember, you can always find out more about me by visiting sallyholder.com. That's S-A-L-L-I-E-H-O-L-D-E-R.com. I hope you've gotten a lot out of this episode and there's even more content on my website to support you, including a link to my weekly email filled with tons of business tips to help make your business bigger, bolder, and more successful. Oh, and don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Google Play or however you're listening. And if you've enjoyed listening, please leave us a review. We'll be back next time with another empowering story of someone dreaming beyond the American dream. We'll talk to you next time. Bye.